Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, we're all set to form a band so we can be famous and get chicks and free beer. Let's check to make sure we have everything we need. Instruments. Uh, check. Amplifiers. Check. A couple of hit songs. Got them. All right. I, th- I think we're ready. Hey, 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 hang on. Uh, I, I have a feeling that something's missing. So, something's, well, well, something's missing. What well, else, I, what else is it. there? I got it. I got it. Look at your head. My, my, my head. Look, look at my head. My head. Yeah, yeah, your hair. We can't be a famous rock band if our singer has hair like that. What do you mean? What's wrong with my hair? Rock and hair go hand in hand, man. For as long as there's been rock, there's been rock and roll hair. If you're going to rock out, you got to do something with the do. Show some style, dude. Well, well, okay, what should I do? Maybe maybe a little page boy? You know, I've always admired Meg Ryan's tussled look. Remember her in When Harry Met Sally? Uh, hey, oh, I've always loved the way Jennifer Aniston did that thing with the part. You know, the little flip to the side thingy? Yeah. That, that was pretty cheeky and sexy, don't you think? Well, yeah, well, maybe I should do the Winona Ryder thing. Dude, 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 you're, you're scaring me. You, you need some professional advice. Here, listen to this. This is the Ongoing History of New Music Podcast with Alan Cross. A Flock of Seagulls with Iran, their new wave syntho hit from 1982. I figured it was only proper that we begin a show on rock and roll hair with something from those guys. After all, there were two hairdressers in the band. And who could forget Mike Score's goofy, swoopy, in-your-face haircut? In fact, when you talk about new wave hairstyles from the 1980s, the first guy who inevitably comes to mind is the dude from A Flock of Seagulls. Welcome again. I'm Alan Cross, and this show is all about hair. I know that might sound a little weird at first, but but think about it. Hair has been an essential fashion statement in rock from the very beginning. Think of Elvis and his pompadour. Think of the Beatles and their mop tops, the hippies and their long hair. And when you're talking about new rock and alternative music, hair has been, uh, well, you'll see. As is the case with so many things with this music, we inevitably are drawn back to David Bowie. This is where we're going to start. In the early 1960s, long before anybody knew who he was, Bowie was a spokesman for a group called the International League for the Preservation of Animal Filament. In 1964, Bowie, who was still known as David Jones at the time, appeared on British television and also in the newspapers with a few members of this association to defend the right of a man to have long hair. 
It's really for the protection of pop musicians and those who wear their hair long, he said. Anyone who has the courage to wear hair down to his shoulders has to go through hell. It's time we united and stood up for our curls. About eight years later, Bowie, or rather his wife, Angie, was responsible for one of the most famous and influential haircuts of all time, the orange puffball with a tail sported by Bowie in his Ziggy Stardust phase. Now, the origins of Ziggy's hair is shrouded in legend. One version of the story says that during the sessions for what would become the Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars album, Bowie woke up one morning and said to Angie over his orange juice, I want to cut my hair and I want to look different. What if I dye it mm, red? Angie thought that would be fine. So after breakfast, they sat down with an armload of fashion magazines looking for ideas. It was then that neither Bowie or Angie, nobody remembers who, found a version of this new hair thing in an ad in Vogue magazine. And they took the magazine and showed it to a London hairdresser named Susie Fussy, who then gave Bowie the cut and dyed it that reddish-orange for added effect. Now, Angie believes that this haircut changed Bowie's music, too. See, up until this point, Bowie had long, hippie-type hair, which was easy to maintain. But keeping a puffball like this looking good takes effort. You have to be very conscious of it. And you have to be very conscious of your overall look. And you have to be very conscious of all this stuff all the time. Angela Bowie says that the haircut forced David Bowie to be more focused and more self-conscious. It also led to new experiments with clothes and with makeup. And the end result was the fully formed Ziggy Stardust character, one of the most important and influential personas in the history of rock and roll. Now, we've talked about this before, how Bowie and Ziggy changed the course of the development of rock and roll, how Bowie himself was an inspiration to would-be rockers around the planet. In fact, you can make an argument that Bowie was one of the three or four most important individuals in the history of rock music. Today's music would be very, very, very different had it not been for David Bowie. And to think that it might have all started with a haircut. So there's Bowie and his puffball, a hugely important haircut, not just in terms of style and fashion sense, but it seems to have sent Bowie down an entirely new, ultra-creative musical path, which in turn created a wave of influence that ended up affecting all rock and roll. See, you thought we were just talking about haircuts and how frivolous they are, right? No. Next up is the Mohawk. Now, the Mohawk remains the definitive punk rock hairstyle. There have been so many variations of it over the last 30 plus years. The fanned mohawk, the reverse mohawk, the bihawk, the trihawk, the fauxhawk. And we all have Robert De Niro to thank. I know what you're thinking. Robert De Niro, the actor, what? How is he behind a punk rock haircut? The mohawk was originally known as the Mohican and has been traced back to the Huron Indian tribe, not surprisingly, the Mohawks. The Huron thrived in and around the Great Lakes, and they, and most likely a few tribes like them, used to prepare for war by cutting or plucking out all their hair, except for a strip right down the middle of the scalp. Pretty ferocious. Fast forward to World War II. Some Allied soldiers shaved their heads and added war paint makeup as a way of freaking out the Germans. Troops in Vietnam did the same thing in Southeast Asia in the 1960s. And this is what brings us to 
Robert De Niro. In 1976, he started a movie called Taxi Driver as Travis Bickle, a whacked out Marine from Vietnam who had trouble adjusting to life in New York City. Eventually, his fear and paranoia take over, and he gets into the vigilante business and the whole, you talking to me thing? He also shaves his head into a mohawk, just like his marine buddies used to do in Nam. Enter Joe Strummer of The Clash. He saw a taxi driver and took note of Travis's do. So Joe shaved his head in a mohawk, thereby setting up a trend for all punks and punk admirers to copy and evolve. For example, there were many arguments about the best way to maintain a tall, spiky mohawk. Some said egg whites, while others were fans of gelatin. And I think it all began not with music, but with a De Niro movie. London calling, now don't look to us. Phony Beatlemania is putting the dust. London calling, see we ain't got no swing. Except for the rain and the crunch of thing. The Clash, featuring Joe Strummer, the popularizer of the Mohawk haircut in music. Of course, Mr. T helped things along in the 1980s, but sorry, 18 fans, Joe got there first, not B.A. Baracus. Let's now get into the subject of dreadlocks. And here's another popular and timeless way to wear your rock and roll hair. Dreads were not born in Jamaica. Their roots... Sorry about that. Stretch all the way back to at least the Bahatoi priests in Ethiopia sometime in the 5th century. But because your hair will naturally go into dreads if you just leave it alone and don't comb it, it's safe to say that people have been wearing hair this way since we were evolved enough to have hair in our head. Now, the word dreadlocks is Jamaican. Originally, it was probably meant as some sort of an insult. You know, a short form of something like, hey, man, you have dreadful hair. You have dreadful locks. Dreadlocks. Get it? The most famous exporter of Jamaican-style dreads was, of course, Bob Marley. He was a Rastafarian, and dreads were a symbol of the Lion of Judah, a religious symbol that stretches all the way back into the Old Testament. Rastas believe that Haile Selassie, the Ethiopian emperor, was a direct descendant of the tribe of Judah, and this is why the Lion of Judah is included on the flag of Ethiopia. When people began to export reggae to the world in the middle 1970s, people began to copy Bob Marley's hair and have been doing it ever since. A lot of late 70s British punks adopted dreads. A few rockers picked up the idea in the 1970s. Mike Borden, the former drummer for Faith No More, is credited as being the guy who introduced dreads into metal in the late 1980s. And then through the 90s, dreads appeared on everyone from Rob Zombie and Zack from Rage Against the Machine to Jonathan Davis of Korn. And of course, dreads can be seen everywhere through hip-hop culture. Bottom line, well, Bob Marty did not invent the dreads, but he did make them a big deal in music. Bob Marley, exporter of reggae and dreadlocks to the world. More on rock and roll hair coming up in seconds, including those spiky angular do's that we saw in the 1980s. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Sax.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The topic of this show is, believe it or not, the most important haircuts in the history of new rock and alternative music. We started with a flock of seagulls and that swoopy doo the singer sported, which is probably the most stylish and dumbest of all the new wave hairstyles. In fact, the new wave era seemed to be all about hair. If you were around then, you might remember some people snidely referring to new wave groups as haircut bands because they seemed more intent on creating great hair than great music. But if you were into cutting-edge hairstyles, the 80s were awesome. The swoop was important. Don't worry about getting in your face or being able to see. Fashion is everything, darling. We can handle a little discomfort. You could cut wings over one side or both sides of your head. A tiny ponytail at the back of the neck or maybe a series of small ones all over the head were encouraged. Height was important. You had to destroy a lot of ozone with cans and cans of Aquanet in order to get the right amount of loft and stiffness. Naturally, mousse and a variety of industrial-strength hair gels were essential. And for God's sake, don't forget color. Pink, blue, green, bright red, or anything day-glow was acceptable. Alternatively, you could over-bleach, so you had splotches or stripes of ultra-blonde, contrasting with dark or black hair. That also sometimes worked really well with dyeing things jet, jet, jet black. And I mean really dark black. Asymmetry was favored, too. Take the case of Phil Oakey, the singer of the Human League, one of the most important British technopop stars of the early and mid-80s. He had this androgynous look that all the girls liked at the time, and he was topped off by a one-sided haircut that he saw on a girl on the bus. She had taken it from a famous Vidal Sassoon cut from the 1960s, and when the Human League took off, Phil became this haircut trendsetter among the technopop crowd. So... Let's salute Phil and his hair by playing this Human League song from 1981. The Human League with Don't You Want Me from 1981. Big MTV hit, which we really need to talk about. When music video channels started popping up in the early 1980s, they not only disseminated musical ideas in ways we had never seen before, but because videos are, well, visual, they also succeeded in speeding up the spread of fashion trends. And because MTV and Much Music and all the rest of them naturally gravitated towards the most telegenic of the new wave bands, new wave fashion spread like crazy. And that included the hairstyles, even the unintentional ones. Which brings us to the police. Sting may be one of the richest dudes in music today, but in the early days, the police were skint. Money was always in short supply. And that's why, in 1978, they agreed to appear in a TV commercial for Wrigley's Spearmint Gum. And the concept required that all three members of the band bleach their hair a very white blonde. They shot the commercial, they cashed the check. And they decided that the bleached blonde look really worked for them on a visual level. In an age of long-haired metal-type bands, it 
was pretty different, so they kept it. And as the police became more popular, the bleach blonde new wave look became more and more entrenched in popular culture. And it all started because of a chewing gum commercial. The Police, a very image-conscious band who owes it all to Wrigley's Spearmint Gum. In just a sec, we'll tackle the concept of big hair. And yes, friends, we will discuss the mullet. Hang on. This is a brief look at the hand-in-hand relationship between new rock and haircuts. And now it's time to talk about big hair. The B-52s, the quintessential American New Wave band of the early 1980s, was not named after an airplane. Their name comes from the nickname of the Big Beehive hairdos sported by Cindy Wilson and Kate Pearson, the two women in the group. Back in the 60s, that style was called the B-52. In fact, big hair has always been important in music. It was all about volume, people. In the 60s, it was the B-52. In the 70s, we had the Afro. In the 80s, it was all teased up and crimped on the new wave and pop side. On the metal side, it was perfectly acceptable to wear what looked like a poodle on your head. And who could forget the mullet? Like a lot of new wave haircuts, the mullet was asymmetrical. Short in the front and on the sides, and shaggy and long in the back. In fact, it was perfectly acceptable for women to have a mullet cut during the new wave era. For guys, though, bit of a different story. The whole business in the front, party in the back style, while apparently timeless in some regions of the world, is not always in style. Now, no one really seems to know where the term mullet came from. There's one theory that the word has its origins in the 1967 movie Cool Hand Luke. There's a scene where a bunch of men with long hair are called mullet heads. It's possible, but honestly, we're not sure. If you look at David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust haircut, you can see it has a mullet-like Attribute. It could be that the mullet is merely an evolution of the Ziggy Puffball. Another theory that's gained traction in recent years is that we can credit Mike D of the Beastie Boys. In the middle 1990s, he wrote about this hairstyle in a magazine called Grand Royal that was published by the band. Let me quote. There is nothing quite as bad as a bad haircut, and perhaps the worst of all is the cut we call the mullet. Well, whatever the case, the mullet has completely become entrenched in Western culture. And chances are, if you're a guy, there was at least one point in your life where you may have sported something mullet-like on your head. Come on, be honest. I mean, don't be shy. I mean, a lot of people have done it. Have you ever looked carefully at the cover of U2's 1987 album, The Joshua Tree? <laughs> Bono, dude, I know it was the 80s, but what were you thinking? Two, back in the days when Bono wore a pretty impressive mullet, although he would probably call it by its fancy French term, the moulet. Come to think of it, there are a lot of other names that you can use for a mullet. The Tennessee top hat, the soccer rocker, the waddler, a Camaro crash helmet, the ape drape, and of course, hockey hair. Before we're done, we should talk about one individual and one of the most famous alt-rock hairdos of all time, Robert Smith of The Cure. Now that thing on top of Robert's head 
has simply become known as the hair. It's this big, unruly mess of jet blackness that has been copied again and again and again since The Cure started making records in the late 1970s. There was a time in the middle 1980s when Robert cut it all down, but fans freaked out so much, and his wife disapproved so strongly that he's never done it again. I was in London once, and I had a chance to talk to Robert about his hair. The hair. How long does it take to get that way? When you get out of bed in the morning, how long does it take to get it right? Uh, I, honestly, I just get out of bed and it's like this. Honestly? Yeah, seriously. The only time it isn't like this is when it rains. <laughs> and I have to wear a hat. <laughs> what, to get all curly for I don't really comb my hair out for like a couple of months at a time, so I don't really have to do very much to it. It's, just, it's kind of got it like a sort of a haystacky kind of vibe to it. Because so people like, spend thousands of dollars trying to get exactly what you have. Yeah, but the secret is never comb it out. <laughs> just get used to sleeping on lumps. But, the, but you, you cut it back in, in, the, in the 80s. Yeah, I've done it three times, actually. I've shaved my head in the last um, 20 years. Yeah. I, you know, I, I really feel like doing it this summer, actually, but um, I'm married to someone who has threatened that they'll leave me if I shave my head, so it's kind of like not really an option. The Cure, featuring Robert Smith and The Hair. So we've just spent an entire hour talking about new rock and hair, and believe it or not, there's a lot that we did not get to. We could have spent the entire time talking just about the 1980s. There are a couple of punk hairstyles that we didn't get to. There's Morrissey and his thing. There's the whole concept of facial hair, including that little goatee thing that was so big during the grunge era. And what about people with no hair? Having no hair at all is just as much of a statement as having a big mullet. Ask, uh, ask Moby or Billy Corgan or, or, or Sinead O'Connor. And we could go real deep into the concept of skinheads in music, along with their close cousins, the suede heads. But let's not choke on all this hair all at once. We'll come back to this again in the future. In the meantime, make sure you shampoo, rinse, and repeat adequately. Thanks for listening. Technical production is by Rob Johnston. I'm Alan Cross. You've been listening to the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere you find your favorite podcasts.